Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Hey, as you're uh, sitting down and they're walking off the stage, give them a big round of applause. They did a, I love being led. And I'm gonna tell you something. I think that song right there, Jesus Be the Center, should be the declaration we make in this church all of, you, all of this year. Like if Jesus is in fact the center of this church, if he's in the center of our lives, God's going to do amazing stuff. Exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine if we put him as the center. And so I, I love that song. We did it Christmas Eve night, so I'm glad we did it again. Uh, I'm Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor here. And we want to say thanks for being here. You could have chose anywhere else, but you chose here. And you are knee deep in a, a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Rhythms. And it was interesting because this series actually came about because of a book. And I didn't mention this in the first service, but I, I read a book called The Compound Effect. Uh, and, and it's a book about when we do habits over and over and over and over again, what happens. It doesn't happen right away, but just like compound interest, it, it over years. So um, a couple weeks ago, I said, uh, you know, what, what do you want to look like in five years? What do you want to be like in five years? What do you want physically, naturally, you know, mentally, emotionally, all that? You're, you're, you, what do you want to look like? And I said relationally was one of them. And then spiritually, what was one of them? And this week, we're going to deal with something. And I'll be quite honest with you. I said financially was one of them also. And today's uh, subject is probably the, the most difficult difficult subject to talk about in a church because unfortunately there's people that think that all the church wants is my money or that's all they ever talk about. And, and it's funny because they usually quote or misquote a scripture, right? That it's the second most misquoted scripture. The first one is God helps those who help themselves. How many people have heard that one? It's not in there. It's not in the Bible. The other one is money is the root of all evil. And that's not in there either. As a matter of fact, if you understand scripture in 1 Timothy, it says something along these lines. And I want to make note of a couple things. We're just going to dive right into it today. Um, the doors are locked, so you can't get out. We're talking about money. It is what it is. Um, and so I've already instructed all the hosts that, that you can't get out. So just, just be comfortable. Uh, we're going to turn the heat real high, make everybody nervous and sweaty. And then we're going to take up three special offerings today. And so now we're not doing any of that stuff, okay? So just, just relax. And I want to say this before I even read the scripture. I am just another person trying to figure out my navigation of a lot of this stuff too, or figure out the direction we're going. So there'll be no finger pointing today. I'm not going to be saying like, you need to do this. Like we need to do this. Okay. We need to have a biblical model and biblical perspective of what finance looks like. So first Timothy, it says this for the love. I, if you have an analog Bible, I want you to underline it. If you're on, uh, on um, you version, you can actually highlight it. It's really important. It says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving. That's really important that we understand it's a craving. It's something that's deep inside of us. I got a grandson. My grandson sees the bottle now. And like, money for a lot of us is like that though. Like we see a little bit. And, and let me just back up for a second. It's not just the green stuff. It's the stuff the money can buy. And so we have this craving, it says, for the cravings that some have wandered away from the faith. And I want you to really highlight this one because we're going to talk about this in a, in a, in a couple minutes. This is really important. Uh, and they have pierced themselves with many pangs, many pangs. I'm going to explain what that word means. I'll give you the definition in a few minutes. It's the love that's wrong them because money in and of, of itself is a good thing. You know that? Like every year we do, we do angel tree around, around journey this year we were able to take care of 500 kids in the CSRA because of money, right? That's awesome, because of money. So when it's used right, we can do great things, right? 
uh, in a couple, three weeks. My favorite night of the year. If you haven't signed up to serve, we have a few more spots, but it's a, and, and it's night to shine. We get to be with special guests. We get to hang out. We have a DJ. We have a prom. We dance. We do all kinds of shoe shine. We, we have a red carpet. We all this stuff. You know why we get to do that? Because of, say it real loud. See, you're even scared to say it in church. So say it on three. One, real loud. I want, to, I want to like one, two, three. Perfect. Because of money. We get to go to Haiti and we get to reach people that are far from God in a fourth world country. We get to go to the Dominican Republic. We get to tell people about Jesus in the Bates and the Barrios because of money. We get to send kids to West Virginia, students to West Virginia, to tell them about Jesus up there. And we send them down to the migrant camps down in Miami. Why? Money. We get to do children's ministry right now. You know why? We get to do student ministry on Wednesday nights. You know why? See, because we think, or a lot of times we've been taught that money is such a bad, money's a good thing when it's handled right, when it's done right. The problem is this, when we start treasuring our treasures, when we start loving the money, when we've put, when we've put money in the wrong place. I, I, I did a little research. I'm, I'm kind of, how many people wish that they did a better job of studying while they were in high school, maybe college? Because you're like, you're like 58 years old and I'll go, I didn't know that. And then somebody goes, well, that was like freshman biology. And so I found out all of us have these cells that travel all through our body, all through our body, right? And there's, a one, there's one cell that is perfectly fit that an oxygen, um, a, an oxygen atom can fit. There's, it's a slit and it can fit perfectly into this, into this cell. And so it goes through all our whole body. And when we have oxygen, what do we do? What do we have? We're breathing, right? We're breathing, we're doing good, and everything's fine, and, and our body, and all that stuff. Now, here's the strange thing. Here's what I found out, that that same cell has another thing that's real close. There's an atom that's carbon monoxide, and that same cell can fit into that, into, or that same atom can fit into that same cell. It's a really tight fit. It's a little bit different, but it can fit. Now, we all know, right, what happens if you have carbon monoxide, if you, you breathe in. What eventually happens is you asphyxiate, you, you stop breathing, you get choked out. And it made me think about this. In our lives, hear me on this. There's a God-shaped void that every one of us has. From the time we're babies... We were, the Bible says we were fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. And we all have this longing to know this God. Whether we admit it or not, if we, we, we honestly seek after God, the Bible says we'll find him. There's a God-shaped void here. But you want to know that shape also fits a lot of times? Money. And so many of us have put money in that slot, in that place, instead of God. It's almost like it's become, dare I say, an American idol. It's become a thing that we chase after. We want more and more and more and more. And we want bigger and we want better and we want shinier. And as long as we have more than the next door neighbor, we're okay. Until the next door neighbor gets something else, right? And then listen, like I'm, I'm in the same boat. I got shiny things. I love shiny things. Now, how do we do this? What do we, how do we develop good rhythms? What are the rhythms? Well, the first thing I think, and I've done this in my life before, in order to get to the good, sometimes you have to identify the bad. You got to figure out what's not good there. So the very first thing I think we all need to do is identify any bad rhythms and attitudes related to money. How do we do? Well, what do we do there? I love the way Henry Ford said it. He said, money doesn't change men. It merely unmasks them. If a man is naturally selfish or arrogant or greedy, the money brings that out. That's all. See, money could be the best of our lives or the worst of our lives. 
It can bring out the very best things in our lives where we do missions trips and we're taking care of people around us or we can become selfish and greedy and materialistic. It could be either way. Now, I'm going to read a passage, okay? And I want just everybody at ease for a second. There again, I said, we're, not, we're no finger pointing. But there's a passage of scripture that I feel like in the church has been misunderstood. As a matter of fact, people like me, preachers have used this passage and, and talked all about just money. It's just money. It's just money. And I want to explain it differently because I think, I think if we would just sit back and relax... A lot of us don't really care about the money portion, but we like things. We like things. How many people in the room, just admit, you, you like things? Whatever things look like, right? Okay, good. Matthew chapter 6, 19. It just talks about things. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Now just stop. He's talking about things there. He's not talking about green stuff. He's talking about shiny stuff. He's talking about things that we feel like will make us, it fills that gap. It fills that hole that God's supposed to fill. We filled it with materialistic things. Now, not many people know this. We didn't make it public, but uh, several years ago, I used to live in Riverwood. Several years ago, um, we got robbed. And when we got robbed, they stole a bunch of stuff. There was five families hit. Actually, coincidence, like three of the families actually came to this church so we felt like maybe that, that we were maybe even being targeted. But so I, I go home, I go to work, I'm we're working over here and I lived over in Riverwood and I go home. I don't know what I was going home to get lunch or I was, you know, take the dog out or something. And I saw my garage door had a bend in it. And so I hit my garage door open and it opens up and on the floor was all paraphernalia from, so I like things that go pow. Okay. I like guns. Not a lot. I'm not like over the top. I'm not like, you know, you don't have to, I'm not the Unabomber. Like, I'm, I'm on a hood, like, but I just like, I like things. And so I opened a garage door, and on the ground was all shells and all clips and all the guns that were in the gun. And it was my fault. I left it open accidentally the day before, which I barely ever do, but we did something. We went out and shot clay pigeons or something the night before, and I accidentally left it open. Now, here's where the story is really weird. <clears throat> so about a month and a half or two months later, they catch the people, and they arrest them, and they, you know, we, we're going to press charges and all that kind of stuff. And about six months later, I get a phone call, and it's Columbia County Police Department. And they said, is this Bobby Smith? And I said, yes. And he said, well, we feel like we have, we have found your guns. We have confiscated your guns from the people that stole. And I'm like, yay. And he said, well, there's a little problem with them. And I said, why? He says, where they stored them um, was outside. And they left them out in the rain for the last six months. And they're, they're basically useless. And so it was one of those deals where they brought them to my house. I had to go actually go pick them up at the police station. I picked them up, and it was rust, and it was pitting, and they were, they were useless. And I thought about this passage of Scripture because it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves will break in. I literally had somebody break in my house and take one of my, my possessions, my things. Now, I know people that would have absolutely freaked out at that moment right there, like, oh, it's, oh. but you know something? <clears throat> I haven't put my faith in things. And so they were just things to me. No, nobody got hurt. Now, here's the really crazy thing. This is what we found out. When I was walking into the house, they were walking out of the house at the same exact time. And somebody saw them running out my back door and down in the creek and across to the school. I'm glad something didn't happen to me. Those guns can be replaced, and they were replaced, but I can't be replaced. That's what it's talking about here, that we lay for our stuff, stuff that's going to decay and rot and, and, and depreciate and all those things. And then it goes on to say a little bit further. It says, for, it says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there's your heart. 
I've said this for years. You want to know where your treasures are? When you go home today, open up your, open up your, your checking account and start looking at who you pay, what you pay, what you buy, what it looks like. It used to be we can just go in our checkbook and we do that, but who even carries a check around anymore, right? But I, I, I was looking around, I was like, it, golfing, golf clubs, guns, 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 golf clubs. I may have an issue, right? It's not that bad, okay? There's food in there too. And when you have a grandson, he gets everything, right? So for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The eye is the lamp of the body. Now think about this, right? Remember, we're talking about, we're talking about this, this bad rhythms and attitudes. Your eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now that's saying, listen, it's what we look at. It's the attitude we have when we look at things. It's the house, it's the boat, it's the guns, it's the, whatever it is for you, you can insert whatever you want in that underline, that's the things he's talking about. And if it's corrupt, if we have a corrupt eye or a mind or a heart, all of a sudden everything else is. And then it goes on to say this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And what he's saying here is, if you love God and you love money, there's a struggle. If you love God and you use money and you need money, it's a necessity. It's a whole different animal. So this problem is not the fact that money's a bad thing. It's the fact that we love it, how we look at it. And here's the deal. Whenever we accumulate things and they become the top priority of our life, you're headed for problems. I'm headed for problems. You know that? And there's all kinds of big problems. I'm going to just list a couple of them out. The first big problem with materialism and greed and having the wrong perspective of money is debt. Debt. And you know what debt causes? Stress and anxiety. You know, I've determined there's three types of people in the world. There's the haves, there's the have-nots, and there's the have-not-paid-for-what-they-have-yet. <laughs> right? Right? Well, Proverbs says it like this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. That means you're in shackles to that. That means every month you have a payment to make, right? How many people have payments to make every month? You're enslaved to that payment. Like you can't get out. If you get out of it or try to get out of it, they're going to bring you to jail, right? They're going to they're they're sue you. They're going to do something. You're shackled to whatever that thing is. And here's, this is just a reality. This is not pointing the fingers. I'm probably in the same category, working out my fear and trouble, okay? Some people are still paying for things today that have been broke and wore out for years. Like, like, like that weed eater. From, from Lowe's that I got sitting in my garage that I did, I did 10 years, same as cash. I'm still paying for it. Nobody else, just me. <laughs> Come on now, don't, don't leave the preacher hanging. We will call you out somehow or another. <laughs> right? 10 years, you know, no interest, whatever. And then it gets, then, then there's this balloon payment of four, $4 million that you owe. Right? That's, that's what it's saying here. You know what else it is? It brings a lack of satisfaction. I was watching, how many, any sports fans? I'm not going to talk about Georgia football today. I'm talk about next week. <laughs> Shannon Sharp. How many people know who Shannon Sharp is? Great, great player, right? 
Grew up in the low country, South Carolina, poor. He lived in his grandmother's house. They lived in a one-bedroom house. They didn't have heat. They didn't have air conditioning. Every morning, every morning, they got up and had to do their chores before they went to school. Then they went to school. Then they went to football practice. He had a brother named Sterling. They, had, they went to football practice. When they came home from football practice, they had to go right back to the field or do whatever worked. That was it, all their lives, right? So when he makes it to the NFL, this was his decision, he said. He said, I was not going to get married. I was going to make as much money as I possibly can, as much money, and I would never go back to that lifestyle, and he was going to buy his grandmother a house. He was to take care of all his family. He said, but in that, there was a problem. He made money his God. And he worked hard, and he worked really hard. He's one of the most successful football players that's ever in it. Now he's got, like, blogs and, you know, shows and all that kind of stuff. But he said this, and it blew me out of the water. He's 40 years old, or plus 40, and he's never been married, never had any kids. He said this, I would be, I would be the worst husband that ever walked the planet. I would be the worst father because I made money the most important thing in my life. And he said, here's the problem right now. He said, I'm this age right here, and I have all this money. I got millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, and I have no one to share it with. Can you imagine that? And he said, I am a lonely, lonely man. See, that's what happens when we have the wrong perspective about money. It leads to dissatisfaction. It's exactly what Ecclesiastes says. It says, whoever loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor who loves wealth will with his income. This is also vanity. Can I just throw something out? And everybody in this room, you are super smart. Everybody's watching online, super smart. The people down at Sherwood are super smart. We all, everybody in this room, we know intellectually. There's some people in the atrium that may not know this, but, but I'm going to share this with them. We all know intellectually that money will not bring us happiness. Somebody, yes? We all, intellectually. But there's several of us that think that we could be the exception of the rule. That if I just had three or four million, that I could, I could do some really good stuff with it and I would be happy and I would be, I would be the exception. Orange County, California, it's the most wealthiest county in the United States. They, they were given a survey. This was the survey. What, if anything, what do you need more of? You know what it was? Money. And you, I'm gonna tell you something sad. If I, if I polled us today, a secret poll, nobody put their names on it. I would almost guarantee most of the people in this room here would put the same exact thing on. Money. You know what's funny? This is the original sin. Like when we go back, we look at Adam and Eve when we look at the book of Genesis and we go, oh, the sin was the sin of our eyes and they, you know, they wanted the, the lust of the flesh. They want all this. You know, no, it wasn't any of that stuff. They were sitting in the greatest place that they could ever sit. They were hanging out with, with God in the, in, in the garden, and they had access to everything in the garden. But they said, there's this one tree, this one, one, right over there, right over there. And you can't touch that one. What did they do? See, the original sin is a sin of more. And we've been battling the sin of more all of our lives for thousands upon thousands of years. That's our biggest sin. I want more. I need a little bit more. I need to have a little bit more. That's the wrong perspective on money when we have that perspective. Not only that, materialism also develops a deep sense of selfishness. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's very easy. Greed at the ugliest level causes us not to look at anybody else except for ourselves. So we see that need that's over in Dominican Republic or in Haiti or West Virginia, or, and we, have, we, have the avail, we can do something with it, but greed causes us to go, you know, I'm not doing anything about it. First John says in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 17, but if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God, God's love, abide in him? You know what else it does? It causes us to make bad decisions. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, 13, this is, there's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to, uh, to his hurt, 
And those riches were lost in a bad venture. This is, you know what that is right there? That's, the, that, that's, that's this one right here. Listen, if you invest with me, 12%, 14%, no, you're going to get 300% in 30 days. And somehow or another, it's appealing to us, and we give them whatever. I actually have a friend of mine that years ago gave a guy all his retirement, everything he had. He had worked for uh, the company Food Line for a long time, and he gave his whole retirement to this guy. And the guy promised him that in one year, he would give him 300%. In one year, no, you know what he got? Nothing. And the guy that did the investment got jail. If it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. That's the things that our parents used to tell us, right? If it's too good. And then you know what? It, it causes us to make bad decisions. It causes us to desire things that we, listen, that we really don't need. Like some here, some here in this room, maybe me, maybe he, some here bought things that we never needed. We, there was things that we never, like, like, so I woke up this morning at 4.30. And I don't know, I, I thought I was watching a football game last night, but I woke up to an infomercial. Anybody ever seen an infomercial? And it was for 12 easy payments of $99.99. I can have the most amazing dehydrator and have the best beef jerky that you've ever had. And I thought to myself, I, I need that. I don't have any beef to jerky, but I'll find some. For 99 And Can I just say, I have never, ever found a payment easy to make. I don't care if it's $19, $99, or $990. Every one of those, those payments are hard. And it'll cause us to make these bad decisions. First Timothy says it like this. It says in chapter 6, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all different kinds of evils, right? It's through this craving that some of us have wandered away from the faith. Now watch this. I told you to underline this. And pierced themselves with many pangs. Okay, let, let, let me define this. I had, I had to look this up. A pang is a brief, piercing spasm of pain like childbirth. Now, I was there. There was nothing brief about those childbirthing pains. I don't want anything to do with those. Give me kidney stones. Right? So that's part of the definition. Spasm. Okay. But listen to this. A sharp attack of mental anguish, pangs of remorse, pangs of guilt, and pangs of disappointment. I can almost guarantee that there's people in this room that would go, yep, that purchase brought pain. That situation brought pain. That car that we couldn't afford, that house that we couldn't afford, that move that we couldn't afford, that school that we couldn't afford, it brought pangs. It brought, it brought pain. So we have to develop a rhythm, good rhythms, get rid of the bad ones. So what are some good ones? Well, here's, here's one. Develop a good rhythm with money starts by learning contentment. Now, last week we sang a song, and I don't know if you all remember this, but we sang a song called Jehovah Jireh. And what it means is my provider. Okay, it's, we see it in the Old Testament. There's the names of God. We're actually doing a, a whole series later on this year about the names of God. But Jehovah Jireh means my provider. But there's a part, it's, it says this, in every circumstance, I will be content. See, I will be content in every, because I know who has my future in their hands. I know what's going on here. And it's funny because when, when I see those advertisements, uh, like I just I shake my head and like that thing's not going to bring me contentment. Deciding to be content, can I just tell you a secret? This is my, is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's an action. It's something you have to do. It's a decision that you make. Philippians chapter four, verse 12. And I love this. This is one of the apostles writing this, and he says, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every situation. I love this. I have learned the secret 
How many people want to learn the secret? I want to learn this. I want to learn the secret to contentment. What does it look like? What, what is, what, how can I be content in things I have right now? G.K. Chesterton says this. There are two ways to get enough. One is to accumulate more and more, and the other is to desire less. That's the secret. It's about desiring less. So here's, here's what I'm going to do. This, I'm going to make a couple suggestions. Maybe we should be seeking out a simpler way to enjoy our life. Okay? And by simpler, can I just tell you what I really mean? Cheaper. Okay? A cheaper way. What's the key? Choosing to be satisfied with the things in our life rather than dissatisfied with the things that are in my life. It's going, you know something? What I have right now is fine. I'm going to say it like this, and, and please don't anybody send me an ugly email. There, there was a time where going out to, to dinner and spending $100 was like I had to take a loan out, right? Like I, I sat at a restaurant with my wife the other night, and we looked at each other, and, and we were kind of joking around about it, but I was like, there was, like we, would have to be, we would have to look at the checkbook as we were ordering. Anybody else have that moment? And, and you were making sure, like, you checked the sofa, the, the, the couch to see if there's any change in there. And, and you were hoping that maybe the laundry, like, had a quarter or two, like, nobody else. That's where we were. And, and there was a day. And I'm going to tell you, that was a simpler day. Now, it may have been difficult, but, but now I don't appreciate, like, we went out to a really nice, oh, I'm going to get myself in trouble. We went out to a really nice restaurant um, last week. And we get there, and we're eating. And we ordered, I ordered, I ordered, um, I think it was halibut uh, imperial with crab cake in it. And it had, you know, all kinds of stuff on the top and Gina ordered whatever. And, 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 and she bites into it. And I look at her, I'm like, baby, everything okay? And I thought maybe it was, no. she goes, it's okay. I'm like, we just spent a lot of money on this. She goes, it's okay. It's okay. And I said, what's going on? You know, like, babe, what's going on? She goes, we can cook better at home. That's what I'm talking about, simpler. There's some, there's some simple things we can do to enhance our life, and they, they, they don't cost us anything. Hey, if you got kids, go throw a baseball. Go, 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 go. If you're old like me, go play pickleball. <laughs> right, right. You know? I, do do you all remember? Do, how many people um, lived through COVID? Okay, most of us. Good. I was just making sure. If you raised your hand, like, or didn't raise your hand, I'm like, oh, yeah. But... But do you remember COVID? They, they did this thing called um, um, something, something in place. What was it called? Shelter in place. See, we don't even know what that meant. We never had an epidemic like this, you know, a pandemic. Like, so so I, I cheated the system. I still came to work. I told all the employees not to come because I had to get out. You know what COVID did? It made you realize if you really love that person or not, didn't it? Okay, let's just be real here. You'd walk in the house, I'm not sure I like you today. I love you, but I'm not sure I like you today. So we, we, we started, we had to figure things, everything was closed, right? So we had to figure out, like, we had to figure out what we were going to do. So I like to play golf, and so I would, I would sit there for hours and chip golf balls into, you know, like the flower beds and chip them on. So one day I got this wise idea. I said to my wife, I said, would you like to chip a golf ball? Like th- three panes of glass later, we, we, we started having fun. And it was fun. How much did it cost us? It was free. Didn't cost us anything. Well, the three panes of window, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up, guys. Right? But l- listen, what Luke chapter 12 says it like this. And he said to them, take care and be on guard against the covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. 
or what you do or where you go out to eat. See, real life is not me- measured on how much we spend. When you take your wife out on a date, and I would recommend that you do that, Robbie. Okay, good. Just happen to be looking at you, brother. I love you. Just trying to hook, you, hook a brother up, right? No, you take your wife on a date or you take a kid. Is it because the expense of the restaurant? No, it's because they want to spend time with you. And so let's, let's try to find things and, and maybe ask ourselves a couple questions in this process. This, this is, this is painstak- painstakingly practical, by the way. Ask yourself two questions. Can I live on less? Can I live on less? I don't need this. I don't have to have this. I can pass on this. I can do without this. They're great questions. Can you live on less? And the second one is, can you trim some excess? Is there something in your, in your, in your budget? I have a friend of mine, John. He, he works for a, an investment company. He's, uh, he works with our retirement stuff in here, here, and I've become really good friends with him. And I was talking to him because I, I knew I was speaking on th- this message, so I just I wanted to pick his brain. And I said, of all the people that you come in and do counseling, like, what's some of the biggest advice? What's the best advice you give me? He goes, here's the first thing I'm going to tell him. I tell people that are having struggles with their money that I can find anywhere between two and $500 in your budget right now that you can put back into savings or back into something important. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? He goes, like, you don't have to have all the premium channels. <gasps> Oh my God, really? I need the sports channels. I need, right? You don't have to have the new car. You can settle for a 75-inch TV instead of the 148-inch TV, right? Like there's, there's little things. And then he said this, and I was blown away by this. This absolutely, like, I was scratching my head when he said this. He said, I can go into most households and I can find somewhere between $2,000 and $5,000 of stuff sitting in people's garages that are just sitting there going to waste. And I thought, stop talking about my boat. <laughs> and I should sell it and buy a golf simulator. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Did you, did you, seriously. Like, maybe we just walk around the house and maybe we put it on Facebook Marketplace. Maybe we have a yard sale. God forbid, maybe you're okay. Maybe you donate it. Maybe you give it to a shelter. Maybe you give it to somebody that's less fortunate than you. Whatever it is. So there's two key things we can learn to live in contentment. And here's the, the third rhythm, and I'm going I'm to fly through this one. Because I'm going to talk. Oh, so by the way, I'm talking about this again next week. Be here. Okay? We have video of everybody that's here, and you're getting an email this afternoon. And if you're not here, I know a guy in New Jersey. Here's the second, uh, third thing. Develop regular rhythms of giving. Now, I can hear some of you going, oh, that's so, so self-loathing. That's so, like, no, because you want to hear something? It's really not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And I have found out in my personal life that giving changes me. Now, does that mean that we're not going to use? No, absolutely not. We, we need it to touch people in the four corners of the world. But this is more about what you get for yourself. Remember the first passage of Scripture? Let me read it again. Matthew chapter 620. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That's what giving does. It lays up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where rust doesn't destroy and where thieves cannot break in. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. I'm going to say this real loud. Everybody... Put your pencils down for a second. I appreciate that everybody's taking notes and looking at. I want you to hear from me. I appreciate your generosity. I've made a promise 20 years ago. We would never do the thermometer. We will never do the thermometer. 
God has blessed us. God has given us exceedingly abundantly above all we can add because of generosity right here. So the story I'm about to tell you, all I'm going to say is don't be like this woman. Okay? So this past Thanksgiving, she calls up Butterball. Y'all know what Butterball is? The turkey company. She calls up Butterball and says, hey, sir, they have a hotline at Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving Christmas time to tell people how to cook their turkeys. So they sort of like, um, hey, I, I, got this, I got this Butterball turkey, and it's been in my freezer for 23 years. 23 years. She says, is it okay? The guy says, well, yeah, as long as your you know, freezer stayed below a certain, like, it's fine. You, you, but just to be honest, after 23 years, it's not going to have any flavor. You know, it's sitting there all like this, and it's, it's just not going to have any flavor. And he goes, I'm really sorry. You know, there's all kinds of, oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. The church is having a supper, and I'll just donate it to the church. Don't be like that lady. I remember a couple years ago, we did a, a sock drive. Specifically said, brand new socks. Do you know where I'm going with this? All right, so I don't need to go any further. There was nastified. That's a preacher word, nastified. That's like sin is nastified. There were socks in there that somebody had worn. We've done shoe drives. We've done coat drives. We said, we want, listen, the expectation is Jesus gave his best. We should give our best. Anybody have a problem with that? No. He didn't give us a Savior that only covers some of our sins. He gave us a Savior that covered all of our sins. And the least we can do is give our very best back to Him. How can we do that? There's two ways, real quick. You can do it through tithes and offerings. Okay? There again. We don't pass a bucket. I thought about passing a bucket with a big stick on it and running to buy people. And if you don't put anything in, just keep the bucket in front of you just to see how it happens. I'm sure it happens somewhere. We're not doing that. We're not, even, we're not even taking up an offering today. If you want to give the journey, there's a thousand different ways you can give. You can put them in the boxes out there. You can go to the QR code. I don't know. I, God's good. God's going to take care of this place. Amen? We've, we've, told, we've told the world about Jesus for 20 years. He's not going to let us down. Okay? So, ties and offers. The other one is everyday acts of giving. That means you have people around you that you know need something. And you can take care of it. Just do it. Don't let anybody else know what you're doing. Don't know. Hey, look what I just did. It's not what it's about. Just do it secretly. Help somebody. Proverbs 11.25 says, whoever brings blessings. And I love this. This is one of the reasons I give. Whoever brings blessings will be enriched. And who, one who waters will himself be watered. You know what breaks? I'll say this real loud. Do you know what breaks materialism and greed? Giving. You can't be a giver. You can't be a giver and be greedy. You just can't. It doesn't work. So I'm going to give you a couple of rhythms real quick. Here's the first rhythm. Find out where your money is going every month. Sit down and do a budget meeting. I know budget is a, a bad word, but it really works out well. Some of you are looking at your spouse right now. Wait till later to do that. So I don't want any fights. We have cops here, but we don't have enough. And then make a plan. This is one of the things that we've done. Um, and we're getting better at is make a plan on what you're going to spend your money on and be good to it, like stick to it. Now, if you make a mistake and you go, buy a, go out and buy a Mercedes, don't do that. So make a plan, decide how you spend every dollar and then stop using credit. And there's somebody going, oh, God, that's the only way I can do it. Okay, slow down using credit then. I'll give you a really good tip that somebody told me years ago. 
we were going through FPU, they said, put all your credit cards in the freezer and put them in a bag, fill them with water, and you can't spend them until, you can't use them until they thaw out. So you, you won't make a rash decision on that, that brand new bass boat that's sitting there shining and glistening, okay? Let me give you another one. Start getting out of debt. We here at Journey use FPU, Dave Ramsey. Um, as a matter of fact, January 30th, we're starting a brand new class. I would love for you to get involved in that. Um, but it's called the Debt Snowball, and it's just how to get out of debt. And I can tell you as a person standing on this stage or sitting on this stage, we have done it, and it works. And I am not slave to the lender anymore. I don't have car payments. The only payment we have in our house is a house payment. That's it, and that's investing in myself. And so we pay cash for everything, and it was not that way to start out with. It took years and years and years to get, and I make what you guys make. I'm a normal guy, okay? The last thing is this, or two things, give, and then giving's important. Um, can I say this real quick? You can't outgive God. I've tried it. <laughs> you can't outgive God. And then the last thing is save. Save for your future, retirement. There's an 80-10-10 rule that we have applied to our lives. We live on 80, we save 10, and we give 10. And so, and thank you, Jesus, over the last few years, we've actually been able to change that and give more and save more and live on less. If we have a proper biblical perspective of money, we can change the world. When we put, when we put the right thing in that slot that was only designed for God and not money and things, you'll be amazed at what happens. Can we pray together today? Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you. Just a real personal thank you, Jesus, for allowing me to be and serve at a church that we can have these conversations, that we're not embarrassed about this. We want what's best for every person that walks in this room and in advance for next week, that every seat is gonna be filled because they wanna hear about, about this concept of giving and how, how we all could be better and bigger givers. And so God, I pray that you would be with us. Here's my prayer, God, that somebody heard and saw Jesus today somehow or another through worship, through a message, through understanding that there's a space that's only designed for you. And we fill it with all kinds of things. We even fill it with relationships. We fill it with your career. We fill it with everything. Let us fill it with you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net.